Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. I'm Scott McGee, news editor of Insurance Post, and today I'm joined by Flood Rees, Andy Board, Altus's Mark McDonald, and the Lloyd's Market Association's David Powell to talk about future-proofing the home insurance industry. Today on the Insurance Post podcast, I'm joined by Andy Board, CEO of Flood Re, Mark McDonald, Personal Lines Insurance Director at Altus Consulting, and David Powell, the Lloyd's Market Association's Head of Technical Underwriting. They're going to share their views on the challenges facing the home insurance industry as a result of climate change and what providers are doing to meet the needs of policyholders today as well as in the future. Andy, I'll start with you. Uh, if if I may. In the last year, we've had record high temperatures, uh, more frequent storms, plus snow in March. Um, what does climate change and more extreme weather in the UK mean for home insurance? So I think if we look to start with, <coughs> so if we look to start with uh, what it means for climate, we're going to see more of what you've just described. So in the past couple of years, there's been extreme heat, there's been uh, drought, there's been flooding, and one has run into the other. So we're going to see climate change leading to more frequent and more severe extreme weather events. So talking specifically about flooding, and from a floodery perspective, that means we are going to see more homes being flooded and more homes being flooded more often. And unfortunately, that's the reality of the risk that is being faced. So what does that mean for home insurance? Well, first and foremost, it's critical that we increase the level of awareness of those events ensure that people are appropriately covered and also that when there is a flood claim or indeed any other extreme weather claim that the home isn't just put back into the same state as it was before but we take the opportunity to make it more resilient and more protected for uh or to be protected against future weather events thanks andy um mark i'll go to you next um you know we've spoken about uh andy's there spoken about flood what what about other uh, potential risks for for home insurance, say uh, extreme heat. So because you know we've seen a lot of uh, subsidence, um, especially uh, the ABI with their with their um, with their results uh, talking about record high subsidence claims. Yeah, absolutely. So with the hot, dry summers that we've had, all of this is also increasing claims for home insurers. Uh, we saw the ABI release figures this week saying that subsidence claims will be the highest in over fifteen years following the heat wave last year. All of this results in increasing claims costs, which consequently has an impact on home insurers' combined ratios. This then puts that pressure on insurers to manage their portfolios, potentially through increasing premium, looking to further improve some of their operational efficiencies and so on. None of these are straightforward activities, but there are ways to do this through digital transformation, through better use of data, and overhauling some of the, the claims processes and so on that we have within the industry. Uh, David, anything to add? I mean, flood is the big risk, uh, as the guys have already said. Substance claims, you know, a major, major risk, particularly in the southeast. We've got a lot of um, properties on clay soil, you know, uh, long, hot, dry weathers. Uh, long, hot, dry weather, you know, uh, is a nightmare for uh, properties on clay soil. And I just think one other thing to, to mention that's, uh, that climate change is going to... Climate change represents a big challenge for insurers. Is these these extreme weather events, the big floods, the big substance, you know, uh, uh, periods, they concentrate the loss into a short period of time, and every all, all of the customers need the same service at the same time. And it, you know, the, these major loss events are a real challenge to sort out. We already have shortages of professional claim staff in the market. Um, there's a shortage of experts, shortage of loss adjusters, emergency accommodation in the events of you know things like major flood events. Um, 
building contractors, supply of materials. You know, the supply chain to to rectify these major events is under great pressure already. Um, Brexit hasn't helped, just to chuck that in. Um, and, you know, these, uh, this, these events are a major challenge for insurers to get right, to get right for customers, and, you know, the costs of dealing with them are, are significant. So if we're seeing more frequent extreme weather events, uh, as well as more severe events, you know, that just all adds up to a big, complicated, expensive problem. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think uh, we've seen, especially with a lot of uh, personal lines insurers and, and even some commercial lines insurers results, we're seeing a lot of them talking about uh, the the extreme weather that we had, uh, especially in 2022 with the three storms in February, uh, the very the very hot summer, and then the freeze event in December, which uh, caused a lot of problems for everyone. Um, you were talking about the... Sorry, I'm, I'm a bit of a follow-up question. You were talking about the... Um, how uh, you know there's a there's a struggle for claims uh, staff at the moment, and there's a struggle for supply chain. Is that is that, where where are we in that kind of curve of the problem? Are we are we seeing it calm down, or are things getting better, or is uh, is it still something that maybe we're seeing we're seeing uh, the worst is yet to come? I, in my view, um, as an industry broadly, um, the problem is getting worse. Uh, we're seeing um, low numbers of young people coming into the industry. We're seeing high numbers of older people leaving the industry, and we're kind of squeezed in the middle. Um, so, you know, there is definitely a shortage of expertise. Even in, you know, L- London EC3 is, is a global centre of, uh, of insurance business, insurance practice. And... Um, it's increasingly difficult to hire, particularly experienced claim staff, wording staff, lawyers. You know, it's it's a really difficult market to uh, to hire in, and uh, that does feed through to your operational abilities. Mm-hmm. It's a big problem. Mark, I'll come to you next. Um, with that in mind, with you know how uh, staff staff numbers are stretched and and uh, operational. Res- um, Productivity is is potentially stretched at the moment. Um, how what do home insurers need to do to cater for the evolving uh, needs of a policyholder? That's a good question. Um, it is absolutely a hot topic for the industry at the moment, and I think picking up on David's point there, we're talking about the the operations um, staffing activity. It's a real challenge for insurers to get uh, get the right people through the door and into the organisation, and then build that talent base to to get them up into the the levels that they need to be to cater for some of the the larger claims. But thinking more broadly around um, home insurance, the evolving needs of, of policyholders, you know, we have got macro um, trends such as climate change, obviously, but kind of two angles to this in my mind. There's the underwriting angle and there's the claims angle. On the underwriting side, I think we've had sort of changes forced on us by the likes of the pandemic and so on. We're now having to update our products to cover working from home risks and adapting risk profiles as well. We've got more home offices and business being done from there. And then consequently as well, we're seeing consumers investing money into building projects, which actually could be a good thing because it's making those um, those properties, their properties much more um, um, environmentally friendly and that could add significant changes, solar panels, battery electric storage solutions, etc. But all that does is change the risk profile of the property and the impact of that at the point of claim. So I think we'll start to see more non-standard properties becoming what I'm going to deem standard properties and standard risks. Um, also on the content side a huge demographic difference as well um, there so there is no one size fits all anymore from a contents policy different people have a a different um, 
awareness of what's important to them mm. so depending on, on where you are in your, in your time of life meaning insurers will need to adapt as though so another adapt to that so it's another evolving need of, of those policyholders. and then finally i think for me claims side of things um one of the things as, as as home insurers we need to start thinking more around the reuse and repair rather than replace of um uh of items of goods and, and of, of um, elements of the property not only from a cost of, uh, perspective as, as David said but materials and parts are becoming increasingly more expensive but this also helps insurers strengthen their sustainability agenda mm. um, and that intelligent use of their supply chain to focus on that reuse and repair modernize that claims experience for customers. Andy uh, same question to you maybe from a flood pr- perspective. Yeah <coughs> sorry yes from a, a flood perspective I think one of the you talk about evolving needs, are needs that customers might not even be aware of. So the flood risk is increasing. JBA estimate that up to one in four households could now be at risk of flooding. That's predominantly surface water flooding, which is notoriously hard uh, to predict. But even if we look at river and coastal flooding, we can see as early as uh, 2050, winter river levels could be 60% higher and summer river levels could be literally quite bereft of water. That's in a really short time frame. So we can't just keep repairing homes in the same way and just hoping for better, which was the main reason uh, exactly 12 months ago that Flood relaunched uh, Build Back Better. So one of the very specific things that insurers can do is make sure they sign up to Build Back Better to assess each claim individually and look at the opportunity to repair it in a resilient way so it's better protected against future flood risk and some of those interventions can actually be quite low cost so airbrick covers uh, flood proof doors providing they're specified at the appropriate point in the claims journey the incremental cost is not that great but it makes a significant difference to that family particularly when the next flood event takes place because they're out of their home for a lot less time it makes a big difference to f- future insurance claims costs because you haven't got the alternative accommodation cost, which is a big driver in there, and it helps to drive up the overall resilience of the UK housing stock. So it's more, you'd say, uh, a home insurer who looks specifically at flood would be more of a service rather than rather than an, an insurer like advising a customer as a, like throughout their policy to, to help with... I do. I think there's opportunities to go further, exactly as you say. So it's not just dealing with it at time of repair. It's raising that awareness. Mm. One of the consequences of a scheme like Flood Re, which is working really well, is that people no longer have the harsh reminder every year when their high renewal drops onto the uh, metaphorical doormat uh, because Flood Re is subsidising mm. that cost. So actually continuing to remind people they are at risk of flooding and it's not a theoretical risk that might happen at some point in the future it's becoming more frequent and as we discussed right at the beginning the events are becoming more uh, more severe as well david uh any any more f- any anything else you want to add on on this topic i, I agree with all those comments all very sensible um uh, just a couple of things for me on this about you know what insurers can do to cater for evolving needs i think w- one is about, we talked about a little earlier about major loss events and the challenge they represent. So for insurers, you know, that, that is a clear operational, 
you know difficulty to to gear up for so getting better at gear uh, at managing uh the the sort of fallout of a major loss event so that you know that's one thing i think for the industry to think about how do you do that better um i think the, the other aspect and we're going to touch on this i suspect in the conversation to come is is technology and how we use technology to communicate with our customers mm. uh, and how we engage with our customers and that is a really hot topic for for the industry, uh, you know, people, our customers want to engage with insurers in the same way they engage with other services they buy. And for a lot of our customer and a lot of our market, that means online. They want to use their smartphones and their tablets to consume their insurance service the way they consume media or news or, or you know, whatever service they're buying. So we have to think about how we, how we support that and how we work with our customers to, you know, provide our service using the technology they want to, to use to consume it. But not everybody, because we still have a lot of older customers particularly who don't use the internet very much and do want a 30-page printed policy wording to, to flop on the doormat. Uh, and so we have to service that community as well. So, uh, you know, we have to run a hybrid kind of model for probably quite a long time. I think, we, you know, we're looking at probably customers up to the age of about 60 typically want to consume their product digitally and over 60. No, I mean, you know, these are broad descriptions uh, over 60 i think it's only about 50 percent of that community have access to the internet which i think you know the younger customers might not be aware of or <laughs> oblivious to um, mm. so we do have to service that market as well so with the way the way we engage with our customers you know we've got to really think about how we service the digital community so so yeah we'll talk about that we'll talk about that now actually um Mark and David, I'll, I'll come to you for this. Uh, so how are home insurers innovating their offerings and digitalizing their operations to retain customers and secure growth? And like you said, David, it's for, you know, no, no one customer is the same. And like you said, maybe older customers want, want to uh, engage with their insurer a different way uh, than, than, a, than a younger customer who's, who's more uh, present on the internet. Uh, David, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you for that. Sure. Uh, my focus really in my work is at the policy wording part of the process so I'll leave Mark to comment on the sort of delivery of service and, and, and claims and so on you know we, we publish model wordings for the Lloyds market to use and we recently updated our home insurance wording um, and it was a major project we did a lot of work on it we didn't actually change the coverage very much what we spent our time on was changing the look and the format of the document to make it easier to engage with and we made a lot of changes and we for the first time we used to design consultancy in putting a, a document together which is uh, you know that's an interesting experience um, and w- what we did was we set the document out like a di- much more like a digital document rather than a word you know a long word document for printing out which is how we you know previously o- always dealt with uh, full product wordings and so we introduced things like digital navigation down the, with tabs down the side of the document. So if you're only opening that document because you want to know how to make a claim, you, you don't want to read 25 pages to get to the claim section. You just want to click on the tab that says, how do I make a claim? So we introduced document navigation like that. We, intru- we changed the format of the document. So we introduced um, things in short lists rather than long sections of text. We've got uh, what's covered and what's excluded side by side for the same sort of perils. We introduce colour coding, what's covered is in green, what's excluded is in red. Um, you know, to so the format, the structure, font size, colour, uh, all of those sorts of things we've, we've introduced. In, and I think our industry is a little bit behind the curve, actually, uh, in, in delivering 
um, products in this way and uh, the rules are there you know you, you can you can access there's lots of research and information and consultants who can advise on how law firms you know advise on how to do this better and how to improve your documents and it improves your engagement customers are more likely to read the products they're more likely to understand them we, we for example we had a uh, a rule on um, sentence length, so kind of 25 is the goal. You know, if you're sent, if you've got more than 25 words in your sentence, it's too long. People will lose the track. It's it's too complicated. You've got to shorten them down. Low frequency words, jargon. You've got to get that out and find other ways to explain the terms that you're using. We 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 introduced. Um, uh, clickable defined terms where you can just you know if you don't know what a term is you can just click on it right there and then you don't have to go hunting up and down the document to find out what do you mean by liability or what do you mean by this um, uh, and just you know relatively simple um, techniques massively improves the readability of your document so that's that, you know for us that was a challenge and we've made some good progress and that's you know something for everybody in the industry to, to grapple with yeah uh, Mark sorry yeah in terms of um insurers innovating their offerings, digitalizing their operations. I'm going to start, I think, with the second part of that, that question, sort of following on from what David said there. So absolutely see digital transformation firmly on the agenda of insurers, as it has been for a number of years now. But I think to David's, um, one of David's first points, you know, consumers are looking outside of the industry for their digital experiences. Insurance needs to, to to match that and to follow that in some way. It doesn't have to be for everyone, but the, op the um, option has to be there for consumers to interact digitally with, uh, with their customers or interact in other ways as well. And I think the industry has to be able to the <coughs> and I think the industry has to be able to cater for the customers' needs. We've seen through our digital bar research that there's still a long way to go for insurers, very much looking at that bringing customers in at the front end digitally, but through the life cycle of the policy, through the servicing journeys, through the claims journeys, starting to limit the, see the number of insurers limited in terms of those who offer that full end-to-end -end digital experience for their customers. But I believe that the key to this is the use of data in innovative ways to underpin the knowledge of the customer and the risk. So therefore you can enable targeted solutions, targeted messaging, understand what the customer wants at that time within their policy. Um, but we also need to differentiate between the activity to digitise the operation um, and look at that whole-scale process re-engineering activity to really get the best value from any technology that they have and provide that most efficient process for customers and for agents themselves. Because otherwise you're just putting a digital layer on top of a poor process and that isn't going to help with innovating any offerings or retaining any customers. But you've got to have that solid grounding in the technology estate. You've got to have an architecture that is robust and flexible, allowing that rapid and effective change to take place. And that will inherently enable insurers to innovate any of their product offerings and the customer journeys at all stages through the life cycle. And in terms of that, that could be as simple as changing limits to meet the needs of policyholders with regards to buildings changes. Or it could be introducing new lines of business or new sublines and new perils within those policies. For example, personal cyber. So you've got to have that adaptable technology capability all the way through that life cycle of the policy um, so you don't reinvent or recreate any inefficient processes and that I think is key to staying ahead of the market and key to enabling home insurers to innovate their offerings. Yeah, interesting. Um, we'll move on to the next question. Uh, how has home insurance evolved to utilise technology and the data to provide services as well as payouts that meet customers evolving needs? Uh, we, may have, we may have touched on it slightly uh, already but um, if uh, we can go into a little bit more detail, David, then, then that would sure. be great. Yeah. Um, 
think we, we, we've seen um, some technology coming into service delivery of insurance in the last, you know, five, ten years. And, you know, that's all very positive. And so, you know, I think there has been some, you know, some good progress. So, I mean, I, I had a home insurance claim about five years ago and um, I wasn't posted out of claim form to fill in, uh, it, like, you know, in the old days. Um, it, it was all dealt with phone call, text messaging, um, I supplied photos of the damage. It was a water cylinder leak that sort of leaked through the living room ceiling. You know, great fun. Um, and uh, it was very easily dealt with, actually, by the insurer. I give great credit to the insurer uh, that handled the claim. It was, you know, an initial phone call to register the claim, um, and then I dealt with them via text message. They authorised the claim via text message, uh, having with me having sent a few photos. So, it, you know, it's really easy to make that claim, and it was dealt with pretty quickly. So I think, you know, insurers are quite keen to grapple with um, uh, technology to provide a good service and and you know relatively simple steps like you know communicating via text message um, is a great is a great way of doing it that's exactly what customers want they want an easy uh, um, you know an, an easy life um, I think the, the other thing to mention um, is um, interim payments and that's something we've seen in, in flood claims for example where insurers are able to, to use check technology to assess flooded areas you know whether that's through drones or whatever I mean, I'm not sure if we're quite there but I'm sure that's coming um, and um, very quickly you get interim payments made so people need to sort out emergency accommodation or just the immediate expenses that, that might occur then an interim payment can uh, can smooth the way for that and then you know the full adjustment comes in time so you know I think that's another um, development that's relatively recent that um, I think is very welcome. Andy do you agree? I do. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I do, and I think it's also worth looking at. <coughs> Apologise, I'm on the back end of a cold. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I do agree, and I think it's also worth looking at the data point in in the question, not just at claims end, but at uh, calculation of premiums. So, insurers are really good, and it's kind of what we do for a living: is assessing the risk and understanding the likelihood of a payout. But we don't do as much effort at looking at the mitigation that the householder has already taken. So particularly when we talk about flood and some of the property level flood resilience that are going to be key to protecting homes into the future, it's about understanding the relevant, the relative benefit of those interventions that people are making, not just to provide a pound for pound cost saving for the customer, because often it's rightly an emotional response. You don't want your home to be flooded. You want to be given the information to protect it. But the premium um, is a helpful nudge in the same way as you don't fit a five-lever lock on your front door because you get a two-pence reduction in your home insurance. You fit it because you don't want to be burgled. And we need the same sort of approach to using data. And we're certainly working on a couple of pilots at the moment to quantify the benefit of different PFR uh, initiatives and feed that into insurers. And I'm very hopeful that that will then flow into premium uh, calculations that will reflect action that's already been taken. It it seems to me that it's more it's simple technology to be used quite early on in the in the in the um, in the case. What about what about in the claims uh, side of things? When you know, David was talking about drones, etc. Is, is there is there anything is there anything um, that you're seeing in in, the, in terms of that? So we're certainly seeing uh, the use of data to validate claims uh, payouts. So looking at the uh, likely total claim costs are certainly an early stage reserving based on the level of the flood, the duration 
of the floods that the case reserves are mm. are more accurate and more representative of what will eventually uh, be paid out and and we are certainly collating data to help with that with that sort of information okay mark any anything to add yeah, and certainly in terms of claims, I think seeing more parametric products come into the market, um, there's a couple of uh, good examples, both in terms of the the payout with certain levels, flood flashes, uh, one that springs to mind there, but also that data around proactive warnings as well, so weather events. So um, recall a company that uh, went through the Lloyd's Lab a couple of years ago, a company called Provisico, who provided surface water flooding uh, prediction technology. So using that proactively, by uh, insurers using that type of technology proactively to warn customers mm. that there is something coming to undertake activities that will, it's not going to prevent the claim, but it's going to certainly mitigate that claim and hopefully make it easier for, um, for them to, uh, to recover that as quickly as possible. Cool. Um, We'll go on to the last question. Uh, looking forward, you know, after everything that we that we've spoken about, you know, we're talking about um, we're talking about uh, more severe weather, and you know, they're going to become more 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 extreme, more frequent. So let's let's fast forward seven years to twenty thirty. What is home insurance going to look like in twenty thirty? Um, Andy, I'll go to you first. Yeah. So if I get in my uh, time machine and talk about what I hope it will, what it'll look like, and what it needs to look like. Um, Initiatives like Build Back Better will be standard, so I won't be sat round a table recording a podcast talking about Build Back Better as if it's an unusual thing. Mm. It will be a standard in a home insurance policy as new for old is on contents. It's just what, what happens. Uh, there'll be recognition of climate mitigation more generally in homes being reflected in insurance premiums, but also in approach, and we discussed that earlier on, recognising that there'll be different layouts at home, different configurations, and that could be because there's more uh, action that's been taken in the home to mitigate against climate risk, so insulation or use of solar PV panels on the roof, that sort of thing, but also adaptation, as I spoke about earlier, so putting in flood defences or uh, interventions that can help the home deal better with, with extreme heat. So I think in 2030, those things will be will have to respond to the threat that climate change will be making a reality by then. And is that is that mainly in houses that have already been built rather than new builds? It will be both. So in new builds, it's making sure that homes are built in the right place. Uh, and we're lobbying very heavily with government with the new uh, planning regulations coming in to make sure they're appropriately uh, enforced. Um, and that sustainable drainage is used to mitigate the impact of the increasing surface water flooding um, that we're seeing. So, yeah, I agree with that. David? I think I've got, um, I mean, predictions are difficult, especially about the future, I think is the quote from uh, <laughs> Niels Bohr. But I mean, I've got a comment on claims and a quick comment on underwriting. I think in claims, I think we expect to see more automation. Mm -hmm. um, so whether that's the use of AI and drones to kind of assess, you know, damage, flood damaged areas or subsidence areas, you know, that uh, maybe, you know, even triggering payments, you know, based on you know, what they what they see. I mean, uh, picking up Mark's point, you know, the product becomes almost a parametric product then, and that could work very well in uh, in some cases. Um, and other things with drones might be coming. It's a very, you know, common idea that maybe drones will start to uh, be used in managing supply chain problems, so delivering building materials or, I don't know, 3D printing of parts and hard-to-get mm. items as part of a, you know, a reinstatement. Um, who knows? And then on the underwriting side, I think the theme looking ahead seven years is around 
ever greater differentiation of risk. Um, so for individuals, for customers, you know, maybe that's, you know, we've been talking about big data for quite a long time now, but I see a shift, continuing shift to kind of lifestyle underwriting. You know, we use age and occupation, but what about other rating factors about, you know, lifestyle, social profile, memberships, media that's consumed, all these sort of lifestyle decisions, uh, shopping habits. Some of these factors or combinations of these factors will indicate um, propensity to make claims or the values of claims and you know we, I expect to see some of that coming into the risk selection and pricing process um, which is good news and bad news for customers frankly depending on where they lie on the curve um, and then around underwriting of properties um, I think we might see just again more differentiation of risks so you'll have underwriters maybe using data and, and information to pick out properties in a high high risk area but that specific property is at low risk of flooding so you know the houses on top of the hill in a floodplain or or whatever you know whatever that might be or better defended or you know all sorts of parameters could come in um, which would allow a, you know a better price a lower access or whatever to, to be offered to that customer so there's some real opportunities there mm. and mark i think um, i will take a slightly different view on this when i sort of look ahead into 2030 and potentially be a little bit controversial with this because I guess a challenge back into the industry is are we really going to change significantly over the next seven years you know, there's one really big hurdle that I see that the industry has got to tackle and that is around the customer that customer apathy that we've got I'm not saying I don't want this to change but I think we've got to put a lot of hard work and effort into changing the customer behavior and how they understand insurance and what that really means over the next seven years so we we see more engagement by customers within the industry the moment it's very much pay your premium hope you don't have to contact your insurer again and then your renewal premium comes through and you go to price comparison websites and you change your insurer Hmm. the insurance industry should be about looking after that customer moving away from that price driven market and helping customers understand what they really want from that I guess that risk transfer product for their homes and for their contents we've got to build a much better relationship between customers and insurers rather than the current approach Um, and part of that, I think, is, is back to an earlier point I made around how we use the data um, and some of the emerging technologies that we have. <coughs> I'd love to see the insurance industry in 2030 being about helping customers to prevent risk rather than actually just mitigate the risk at the end to have the claims. So supporting customers to get their back on their feet efficiently, but also helping them understand what they need to do to improve their properties, improve how they, um, they manage their their home environments to be able to to be a better risk for the for the industry and therefore get themselves back um, back on solid ground. Sorry, maybe a bad bad <laughs> pun there, but um, as as quickly as possible. And we can do that through smart home technology, and we can do that through other methods as well, with, particularly with the use of data. And then when it comes to claims, I think the insurance industry absolutely has to be at the forefront of the sustain, sustainability agenda. You know, we can influence the customer behaviour with innovative, adaptable products. We can based on data around, uh, use data, predictive analytics, AI, et cetera, to enhance the offering for a customer um, throughout that whole policy life cycle. I guess the, cha- the question is, will we get there? Uh, and it's going to be a lot of hard work, I think, for us all. But, I mean, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we, we do it? Because I think that will be a better outcome for the industry overall. Yeah, so how, I guess, similar to the challenge that you, that you mentioned then is, but for me, it's how do you... Uh, how do you in- encourage the customer to be as in- as engaging as engaging with the insurer throughout their policy um, 
to be able to make those changes to mitigate that risk beforehand if the relationship so far as you said is uh, biopolicy don't don't hear from you for for a year and then uh, you re you you re uh, you re uh, place your policy uh, you shop around you find someone else um, and then you don't hear from them for another year so how how do we change how do we change that dynamic of, of relationship with the customer do you know you, you said you don't want to make it um, to be around price but surely um, appealing to a customer by giving them the fiscal benefits of, mm. of, of making these changes that's that's how you that's how you get through to them I think there's you do make a good point about price and people are very price driven and I think the market has evolved to that but as insurers it's being don't be scared to contact the customer don't be scared to find out more about that risk don't be scared to use your data that you have or can enrich that data with external data sources to enable you to say actually you've got a smart piece of smart home technology there let's we clearly recognise that you are you're using that to help reduce the risk or, or, or reduce the impact of a claim. That could be through having a ring doorbell. It could be through having a smart smoke alarm or smart um, plugs. So I think that type of use of technology and understanding that and building that into underwriting models is, is going to be important. But helping customers throughout that entire life cycle. I mentioned earlier about, about claims. You know, appreciating that if a customer is, is in a likely flood area, Helping them understand what they need to do to mitigate um, the risk or reduce the risk as we as they go through that uh, that um, claim. Andy, do you agree? Yeah, I do agree, and I think building on that last point, it's mitigating against the risk at some point in the future, yeah. but it's also what action to take when the threat's actually imminent. So, flood forecasting has got much much better um, in recent years. And the notification of the information has got better. So the new national system is going to be trialled in a couple of weeks' time where everyone's mobile, whether you've got it on silent or on, will ring and alert you. And clearly the intent is to be able to use that in geographically constrained areas to let a high percentage of people know really quickly that flooding or some other event is imminent. And that's only half the problem, though. You've got to know what to do. And it's not complicated, but people might think to move precious items off the ground floor and out of cellars they won't necessarily remember to go and move their car off the drive to a higher place locally. So it's being really clear. And I think the insurers have got an important role to play in that, to move the conversation away from price and upselling to valuable information at a suitable time. Yeah. David? I, I agree with all that. Yeah, I have nothing, nothing to add. Okay, well, I look forward to meeting up with you guys in seven years to see if all your <laughs> see if all your predictions have come true. I, I have thought of one thing. Sorry, can I add that yeah. in? Um, seven years is quite an interesting period of time to pick for predictions. You know, probably easier than you know forty years or something. But seven years is long enough to change attitudes because when I I talked earlier about the. Um, uh, our home insurance policy wording, which we you know revamped and, and published this early this year. Um, well, the, the previous one was about eight years ago, and I think back then, if we said to our market, to the underwriters in Lloyd's, we're going to produce a digital document rather than an old old school word document, they would have they would have thought we were mad. Whereas now, I think the idea of not doing that would be mad. So you know, in, in seven or eight years, the attitude around you know you know your your, your legal contract with your customer, the basis of the whole um, product, it has changed a bit. You know, obviously that's just about format, not about content specifically. But it just shows in a relatively short period of time, things do evolve and change. So I think there is some scope for some of these good things to come in by mm. 2030. Fingers crossed.
Fingers crossed. Well, it should be a very interesting seven years, um, like we said. Thank Hopefully you. not too interesting. <laughs> Hopefully not too interesting, not too, not too many uh, severe weather, weather events. Um, that brings us to the end for this episode of the Insurance Post podcast. I'd like to thank Andy, Mark and David for joining us and sharing their insight on the future of home insurance. As always, also, thanks to you for listening to the Insurance Post podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Insurance Post and by following us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Make sure you come back next week for a discussion about cyber insurance. Until then, this is Scott McGee signing off. Thank you.